bastard. <laughs> I think it's just like that one. Yeah, that was a good one. It's a good, that one. Was a good one. Nothing yeah. to do with Need for Speed, but fuck it. Um, Need for Speed has got very little to do with Need for Speed. In fact, yeah. it's got very little to do with racing. Yeah. Um, I, yes, I would agree with that. I would agree that it had. There's not a lot of racing in it, and there's dubious. There are questions as to why the racing is even happening in the first place. <laughs> There's a lot of questions about a lot of people and their motivations and what happens. Um, the voices you're hearing are Jim Sterling, that's me, and my good friend and colleague, Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. We're, we're a pair of movie boys. And this is The Spin-Off Doctors, uh, your one-stop shop for two people talking bollocks about a film they recently watched um, that has some vague connection to video games or comic books. Oh, see, we're already expanding. It's yeah. already growing out. I, I meant comic books on game, not not comic books that are movies, because that would be too far off the remit until oh, we yeah, get no. desperate. Right. Um, but I've got to keep reminding people that one day we're going to run out of movies to do, and we'll get desperate and do other things, and they can't accuse us of, of deviating if we establish that right now. Someone uh, suggested in, 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 the, the, in a Facebook group that because we're willing to do things that have looser connections to video games, does that mean we should watch Apocalypse Now because of its vague connections to Spec Ops The Line? I like that. And I said to myself, Charlie, don't surf. <laughs> we should do that. that Why is... not? One day that may, that that day may come, like yeah. two years down the line, when there's just literally nothing left. Yeah, if if we're still alive by then, I think it's touch and go for either of us. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll, definitely. There's there's a better than small chance of one one or both of us ending up face down in a ditch somewhere. I I uh, I've been getting a lot of tingling <laughs> in my left hand <laughs> lately. Like my circulation ain't good. Yeah. My diet's poor. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just because I'm skinny as fuck doesn't mean I'm healthy. Yeah, and a lot I, of people look at me and think he's got to be a picture of health, but I assure you, um, you know, I'm, I'm older now. I'm not, not a young man. Uh, I am on so many pills um, all the time. I'm at that point in my life where you've just got orange bottles everywhere. Soon you're going to get the, uh, the little thing that has the days. The little pill bar, the, the pill organizer. Oh, yeah, one of those. I've got a mad uh, uh, Max Payne branded one somewhere. Of course you do. Yes, um, of course. Because that's, yes, that is that is a perfect Rockstar perfect sent some nonsensical shit. Um, I actually used the travel bag I got for Max Payne. There's a Max Payne branded travel bag, and the, the handle um, for it is shaped like a, a, a an assault rifle clip or magazine. Oh. Oh, good. I bet they love that at airports. Yeah, yeah. I do use it for for air travel sometimes. Uh, it's a good bag. It's a good bag. And uh, they've also there was a water thing in it, like a, a, a tankard or whatever. And that's also shaped like a like an AK magazine clip. <laughs> I, I got some ridiculous shit. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Right, because we're yeah. we're, talking we're talking about Need for Speed. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. Well, d- d- did you play Need for Speed? Because I really didn't. Nah, it's a racing game, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's, and that's kind of my deal. I'm, yeah. I, Here's the I, thing, I, I like racing games. I love mm-hmm. the way they feel. I like the, um, I really, I, I think they're 
often gorgeous, often some of the most beautiful yes. games out there. Um, but I hate cars. I, mm. I've, I've got a phobia of cars, um, of driving them. And I, I generally find most cars boring to look at and boring to think about. Top Gear is, is my idea of hell, basically. Um, but I do like racing games, uh, if we stretch it. You know, I like kart races because I love sure. the, the setup of a racing game. And I like more arcadey racing games. You know, you sit me down with... Um, What's that one that they brought out? Um... I think Deep Silver published it. It was all like dirt bikes and things. Uh, and I liked that. I liked was ones that, that dirt? Little, it might have just been called Dirt, yeah. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain it was. Um, so yeah, I, I like some of that stuff. But yeah, you're, you're more straightforward. This is a racing game. Racing games like your Forza and, and everything. You know, I'm, I'm more of a burnout player than a, yes, a speed player. That's my go-to racing game was, yeah. was Burnout. And I, I wild away many a weekend uh with a a buddy of mine just passing the controller back and forth between rounds trying to 100 percent a burnout game and yeah. a uh, burnout and movie might have been fun a burnout movie might have been a lot of fun um need for speed i if there were a racing series that i were likely to get into other than burnout it probably would have been need for speed I think it's easier to identify with street racing than, you know, performance racing and, oh, definitely, uh, yeah. and, and Indy and NASCAR because we drive on streets every day. Um, it's often done with actual cars that people, you know, could feasibly own and drive. Um, I had a, a, uh, a roommate once who had a, a Tiburon that he was making modifications to and so forth. And I don't think he actually did any street racing. But mm, Tiburon just... is, um, he's in Game of Thrones. He's played by Peter Dinklage. That's good to know. That's, you're, you're, you're thinking of Game of Thrones, not cars. Oh, oh, it's easy oh. To well, no, 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 no. Um, and he was like a six foot three uh, uh, guy. He weighed about, um, I would say, maybe 190 pounds at, at most. I mean, he was rail thin. Yeah. And and so now the image of him driving Peter Dinklage to work <laughs> forever seared in my memory. That's good. That that's gonna stick with me. But no, I mean, but Need, yeah. Need for Speed had uh, the police chase thing to it, which I thought was kind of interesting. I remember when the they made a big deal of that with one of the more recent ones they did a few years back. The the whole police versus street racers kind of thing. I played a little bit of that one. Uh huh. And that seemed okay. Yeah. So I, those they feel more like effort was put in to make a game that wasn't just straight up racing. Yeah. Because yeah. the straight up racing, I need an edge. I suck. I suck at racing. I talk about playing Burnout with my friend. I would do all the crashes mm. and like the puzzly type stuff that was in Burnout, and then he'd do the straight racing. Right. And that's how we were able to make progress. Because if the racing were left to me, I'd have thrown it out the window. It never, never would have gotten anywhere. So, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't have a ton of connection. So I have no investment in this going in. Right, yeah. And that's, I think, key. Because I think if you really like Need for Speed and Cars, you would probably have a very different opinion of this movie than I do. <laughs> I'm not even sure about that. Um, actually, because I was speaking to a, a mutual friend of ours, um, uh, Andrea, uh, who loves Need for Speed. Uh -huh. They love Need for Speed. They love um, racing games. 
uh, and all of that good stuff. And actually, um, they were talking on um, to me today because I was commiserating and moaning about having to watch a two-hour-long movie with Aaron Paul grunting through it in a car, um, and that, that they, they were furious at this film. Furious at this. You see, film. well, that's what I mean because I'm not furious at this movie. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, then on the flip side, we've got me. I hate cars. I'm furious at this <laughs> film. <laughs> Because it took more than two hours of my life away from me. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, listeners, that I made you watch it. Because if, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you probably watched it to enjoy this podcast. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry at myself. I'm sorry at you. I spent $20 on it. I could have obtained it for free. But let's face it, I watched it about two hours ago. Um, I needed it quick. And so I was just like, oh, go on Amazon and, and get it on that. 1999, people. You was robbed. I own it forever now. Or at least until Amazon just decides to remove it one day without telling anyone like they do sometimes. Um, but but that's, that, that's it. That's in my Amazon purchasing history. That's There's a speed. record of this. Yeah, I have a record that will forever, now. forever taint you. Just this constant reminder it's sat there right next to Pokemon, the first fucking movie. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that siren in the background. I, I think can. they're coming for me for having watched Need for Speed. Maybe they're chasing Aaron Paul. That could very well be through what's the happening. City streets. Outside my window right yeah. now. Yeah. So, Need for Speed, I guess we'll get on cracking with the plot because there's a surprising amount of plot to unpack. Oh. God, yes. For this movie based About on a racing game. racing cars. With yeah. no, the games have no story that I know of. I, I'm not, a, I, I don't know. I don't know, but either way. And, um, and maybe, and, and you know, and maybe that speaks to my ignorance that I don't know, and maybe I should know that. But it's a racing game, and I can't really be made to care either. Ah, racing games. Um, also, also, just before we get on cracking, um, just to acknowledge that, yeah, I did forget to edit a bit out of the last week's show. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. It, yeah, it happens. You know, I edit. The, Laura isn't involved in this show, so I'm the one in charge. Um, you know, I edit out all of the racist things that Conrad says. There were a then, lot of racist things. <laughs> there wasn't. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and we actually talked last week how impressed we are that in, you know we've been doing this for a while, and we haven't had to. We haven't accidentally said anything racist. No. Which for two, two. Privileged, stuck-up white people. Well they don't done get us. much more white middle class than us. Not really. Not no. really. Not really at all. Um, right. Let's get. <laughs> let's get on cracking. I also apologize if I'm a little bit spacey today, but I am. Um, drugs, 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 drugs. Yeah, drugs. basically. Um, it's taken the edge off this uh, the back injury, so I'm feeling all. Well, right. and hopefully it took some of the edge off the Need for Speed. No, because I had <laughs> I, I I picked the pills up afterwards. So you fool! I know. I, I actually was thinking if I time this right, I could go get them first and then watch Need for Speed. It might be all right. But the way timing works out, it's like I had to get this done first. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's hear about this film for God's sake. Brace yourselves, people. Opening with a scenic tour of small town Mount Kisco in upstate New York. Yeah, I have a fact. Sorry, I had to interrupt this quickly. Oh, dear God. But it's, it's time for Jim Sterling's fact of the show. <laughs> right, here's the fact of the show. Um, 
one of the benefits of spending 19.99 on Amazon is I watch it in my browser. Admittedly, for about the first 20 minutes of this film, I wasn't paying much attention. I was doing a review at the same time. So I had it open in another tab. But I did click over when it first started, and here's the fact. Because when you mouse over the films, if you watch them in a browser in Amazon Video, you get facts. You get the names of all the actors in the scene at that time, and the character they're playing, and little tidbits like goofs or continuity errors and things like that. So here's the thing. You get the, the logos at the beginning of mm -hmm. whatever uh, movie studio made the film. Um, the usual pre-roll and stuff. For Need for Speed... DreamWorks and, and DreamWorks Reliance and Entertainment. All that stuff. Uh, the logos were speedier than usual. They'd been sped up mm. beyond their normal thing and recolored for Need for Speed. Wow. And that's Jim Sterling's fact of the show. Tune into the next episode for a new fact about the film we do next time. <laughs> oh, that bodes <laughs> well, doesn't it? I've got another couple of facts, but I only... It's, fa it's facts of the show, not facts of the show. Right. So I won't Had tell you about... One. Yeah, I won't tell you about the continuity errors, um, like the... No, I won't tell you about it. Oh, such a tease. Yeah, so carry on. Sorry. We're shown an auto shop named Marshall Motors. Yep. As the camera pans through an office filled with fam family photographs and a Canada toy for some reason, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the, the requisite expositional voiceover talks about a driver named Toby Marshall who, despite early promise, has yet to reach his full potential, unlike fellow local racer Dino Brewster. Oh. It's very important we get all these names out here quick. Mm -hmm. Pay attention, kids. This film hates the idea that you might not know what's going on, as we'll find out when Michael Keaton shows up. <laughs> so he hasn't reached his full potential because he hasn't had a car that matches his talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's too good for the cars. Come in on! Inside the shop, we're first introduced to the members of Toby's crew, and I, I, I feel like maybe we should just... No, no, no. We'll just, we'll just run with it here. Joe, Finn, Benny, Little Pete. That's all you're going to know at this point, except yep. that they work on cars. And one of them was in Until Dawn. I didn't see that. The, um, oh, what's his face? The one who takes his clothes off later in the film. Spoiler warning. Oh, okay. Uh, Finn. Finn. Yeah, Finn is played by, dude. uh, I forget his first name. Second name's Malik. And he was in Until Dawn, and I recognise because they use, you know, facial capture and shit for Rami Until Malik. Dawn. Rami Malik. Um, and he plays, um, actually the, the best character in Until Dawn. Um, I think he's the most entertaining character in this one. I think he can't, do, I, I think he can't let a single scene go by without looking, like, scary. Oh, yeah, no, no. He, he always totally looks lo like he's about to cut someone. No, yeah, he looks like, like he's on PCP throughout pretty much the entire film. But I, He's yeah. got what, what my drama teacher said I had uh, back in the day. He's got a manic energy. Yeah, yes, yeah. That, wow, that's a really... Like, they just called us hyperactive. That's just they just called us hyperactive, manic energy. That's that's quite charming. It was one of the uh, it was one of only two good things my drama teacher ever said about me. She didn't like me very much, but she praised my manic energy once. And that's Jim Sterling's fact of drama. My my high school drama teacher looked like John Lovitz. Good. It was pretty amazing. Good. Uh, so anyway, 
So Toby's crew's been listening to this expositional description yeah. on some form of internet radio program presented by a guy who calls himself Monarch. The Monarch! <laughs> I'm the Monarch! The Mighty Monarch! <laughs> I'm planning to do that every time Conrad says Monarch, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it throughout the movie. <laughs> Every time he showed up, the monarch! Uh, he is the host of an ultra-exclusive supercar race event named De Leon. <clears throat> Outside, we are shown Toby, who we know is Toby because of the photographs we were shown of Toby while being told yeah. about Toby by the monarch. The monarch! Oh, by the way, um, I... Because I was tabbed out, I didn't see that this was an internet radio thing at first. Mm-hmm. I spent the first half of this film thinking it was set in the 50s. <laughs> I was very confused. Because every time I tabbed back in, I saw old-fashioned cars and drive-in theatres and things. <laughs> and the, the, the mechanic shop looks like it belongs in the 50s. It and does. then I tabbed back in later and where we see, like, cyber horses which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And I'm like, is this, did they go for some It Follows style anachronism? I, I was very confused until I saw Finn with an actual computer. And then I'm like, well, oh, but, it's modern day. But that's, that's one of the narrative tricks that the movie is playing with its imagery. You see, here we have Toby Marshall, our, our hero figure. He is uh, simple. He's you know, comes from a simpler time. He's in a family business. He's a traditional oh, he comes, character. He comes off as simple. He comes. He comes from. He 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 comes from humble stock. He ha, he he's humble himself. Uh, so everything he is involved in touches on a, a classic nostalgia uh, in some way. Whereas the rest of the world has sort of uh, uh, modernized. So he's a, like a man out of time in a way. Right. That right. confused me because I was a man not paying attention. <clears throat> so outside, Toby's having an, a, an uncomfortable sounding conversation with the guy who's identified as a bank manager. And he comes back in to the shop and, and Toby then lies to Joe uh, about the conversation claiming it's a former customer of his father's who may bring, bring business into the shop again. So some things, things may not be going well for Toby Marshall, despite his incredible racing talent. So talented. And that evening, Toby and crew meet up at the Mount Kisco Drive-In Theater ahead of, of an illegal street race. Now, there's a few things here. You're right. Um, the, the Drive-In Theater is a, a, a kind of an odd anachronism. And they're showing some... I wish I could remember what movie it is that they're showing at the drive-in theater. It is a a famous Steve McQueen movie, I think. Uh, Yeah. But I can't remember what it is. So I tabbed in at this and thought, oh, it's in the 50s. Yeah. No. No, not at all. Um, But as they're driving in there, this is the first of three covers in the film that you're going to hear. And it is the first one that, to me, flies so far off the mark. <laughs> the soundtrack is quite something. So far off the mark. Like, the song is Fortunate Son, uh-uh. which is a, not a bad song for Toby. 
wouldn't be a bad song in a movie with racing during a, a, a downtime scene like this. Like, the song is fine. But the version of the song that they went with is this really kind of low-key bluesy thing that doesn't draw upon the power of the sort of protest song element mm -hmm. in Fortunate Son, right? It, it, it feels limp. And then what kills me is that they do the thing where Toby pulls in and parks and turns off the engine and the song stops. So now I know he was listening to it. <laughs> where did he get this song? He could have turned it off at any point. <laughs> he had the option. It was there. So now, now I hate Toby a little bit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Pete, little Pete, the young guy, young, fresh-looking little Pete, relates a vision that he had of Toby. What was that? What was Pete's vision? No, no, what was that? The vision thing as a concept. Uh, yeah, I, I... It has no relevance to anything. Well, but here they're setting Pete up as the, you know, symbol of purity. You know, the white light. The, the, the bright, optimistic spirit that right, sort of pushes okay. everyone on. I'll go with you on that. Well, no, because, because we'll see it again later. Yeah. Um, a little bit. He came uh, across, like right. every character in this film, as a bellend. Yeah, yes, yeah, no, it does. It's like, what, why, these, he is a dumb kid that just says what comes out of his mouth. Yeah, and like I think all of them. More than most. He has no tact or subtlety. None. Little Pete is, oh God, he's the kid that I wouldn't, like, I, 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 I'd, I'd like him, but I wouldn't let him hang out with me, because he just, he just, he embarrasses everybody around yeah. him all the time. Uh, He's so like a group of like like adult friends. And one of them has a son who wants to join in. Yeah, or or uh, no, uh, the annoying little brother, maybe. That was a quicker analogy than mine. Yeah, a little bit. But Pete, so Pete has this vision. Yeah. Of Toby looking at a lighthouse as the winner of De Leon. It was way more floral than this. It was cringy. It was bad. I, I had a vision, and you were there. His as, voice gets all wispy. Yeah, and horrible. And it's ugh, really, really cringy. Um, another car pulls up, and Pete then observes that it's his sister, Anita. Have you got all the characters so far? I should also note we are, like, Four minutes into the film. Oh, look, at one point, I, I checked the time step. It was 40, 42 minutes into the film. And I'm like, 15 films have tried to happen. <laughs> the concepts, it's like one minute I thought a prison drama was going to happen. Then a revenge story. Then a, a simple uh. race story. Then a getting the band back together story. Like, so many films start... In the first 40 minutes. And there are so many characters to support all of these films. <laughs> it, this is, so, but I mean, we have, we've met six, seven people, eight yeah. people. We've met eight people in look, five minutes. I watched this film. Let's see. It's 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. now. I started watching the film at about 6.30 this morning. 
even as you're giving me the character names, I can't remember who they are. Joe is almost unidentifiable. Yeah. Um, Benny's memorable, but I had to like go back and remember his name's Benny because they never call him Benny. They call him Liar One. Or... Liar One, or he calls himself Maverick. Right. And I, I so... recognize that bit. I know him because he. the running joke is he keeps appearing in different aircraft that he just stole. Right. Um, yeah, that's another thing about this film. Every single character is an unlikable thief or a sexual pervert. I don't know about all unlikable thieves. I, Benny's kind of likable. I... I, I it, Benny is Maverick slash liar, right? Right, yes. You're going to have to call him Maverick slash liar because I will not... Liar 1. Yeah, liar, liar 1 is somewhat charming. But I think you're right. He's just about the only... Real, and Finn. Oh, God, Finn. I wanted to like Finn. Well, I like I like Malik. Yeah, yeah. I like him. He, he Again, like going back to Until Dawn, he was fucking phenomenal in Until Dawn. Phenomenal. <laughs> All right, so this other car anyway, pulls sorry, up yeah. with, with Pete's sister, Anita, and the previously mentioned local racer, Dito Brewster. Yeah. Uh, and Pete apologizes to Toby for what I think Dito Brewster, I have a feeling they wanted... Um, oh, shit, what's his name? Eddie Brock from Amazing... from the Not Amazing, from Spider-Man 3 and... Uh, Topher Grace. Oh, okay. I have yeah. a feeling they wanted Topher Grace for that role. I can see that. Because the guy playing Dito seems to do his best to look and act like Topher Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Topher Grace would have been pretty good in that role. Sure. But no one's good in any of the roles in this. Well, none of the roles are all that great either. For Aaron Paul, I liked him in Breaking Bad. In this... It makes me wonder whether he just got lucky with the role of Jesse Pinkman. Well, what's interesting, what I'll say about uh, Aaron Paul's performance in this is that he pulls a lot of the same, like, expression and, and, and mm -hmm. emotional performance. That kind of where you're holding a ball just far enough from a dog's mouth where they want to get it. Right. That's the expression he pulls throughout most of this film. He... He turns in a very similar performance to what he does in Breaking Bad. But the difference is that Breaking Bad is a really good product. Yeah. And this, even, it just falls. It just falls flat. Like hey. it's, it's impossible to get emotionally invested in any of mm -hmm. this. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, right... Breaking Wind, right, starring Walter Scheidt and Jesse Stinkman. Now, I've got no segue or lead-in to present that concept to you, but I just wanted to say it, so I said it. I'm just going to put that in the fist shark file. Put that in the, in the <laughs> fold of the fist shark, please. Um, you're going to have to keep me on track, because I can yeah, feel yep. myself wavering. It's, start, it's uh, starting to drift, I can tell. <laughs> Uh, I apologize right. to the listeners because this is already a tough listen. Drugs, 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 drugs. Toby's crew sneer at Dino, but Toby demonstrates his humble nature, qualifying him for heroic nobility by pointing out that the dude's managed to be a success, and success is nothing to sneer at. Now, 
Anita and Toby then have the kind of awkward conversation. Uh, this kind of awkward conversation usually reserved for former lovers. Like, it's clear that there's some history of some kind that, but it's never expressed by them, really. You're just supposed to pick that up. So uh, it's not subtle, is my point. Um, if they expect you to have to figure it out in this movie, they just sort of club you over the head. Again, the film is very scared that you don't know what's going on. Right. Um, what is it about these films that they're so desperate for you to understand their incredibly unsubtle narratives. And why do they all have... Like, we've only done this show relatively briefly. We don't have that many episodes yet. Because no. we've been doing it every two weeks, so it's, it's taken some time to, to get a sizable library. Why do all these shit films have so many characters? You'd think the people like churning out this cynical garbage would want to work less. <laughs> And yet they have so many characters and so much plot. Yeah. It's a fucking racing game. Race. Well, I think I think to answer your point about uh, their their seeming need to make sure that the story comes across, it, I think it's because they think they are smarter than the audience. Like, yeah. I, I believe that they sort of buy the hype that people who play video games are children. And therefore, uh, need to have everything explained to them. And there's two things wrong with that. One, most children don't need a lot of stuff explained to them that we seem they to think don't that they do. Give a shit. They don't, and yeah, and they don't care. So it doesn't matter. They don't care. I watched. Uh, uh, I watched films when I was a kid. I think. I think really the. I watched Never Ending Story two at the movie theater. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. All I knew, there was a weird bird man in it, and that kept me happy. But I think the overriding philosophy to, to sort of consider here is the executives and writers and directors and the people who make these movies think um, that, well, okay, they assume the audience is at the intellectual level to pay money to go to a theater to see this movie. That's what they think. That's okay. That explains what that explains. That explains some of it. I still don't know why there's so many. <laughs> why are there so many characters? I don't know. There always is. What was the other one? I mean, Double Dragon had enough. Double Dragon did it right, I think. Um, uh, House of the Dead had too many characters. Too many characters, friend. Um, uh, Resident Evil, a little no. guilty of that too. Blood Rain, really? When Ooh, you're yeah. considering too many characters, too many plot threads. <sighs> I'm, I, I, All right, so again, back back to don't it. Don't let Ani me distract you. Anita and Toby's conversation very awkward. She remarks on the uh, on on Toby's recently deceased father. Uh, he comments on her hatred of their hometown. They both express affection for Pete, uh, yeah. and Anita says that Dino has some business with Toby after the race. Yeah. Uh, both of these characters, by the way, have a need for speed. They do. They do. So as the race is about to begin, we establish the roles of everybody on Toby's crew. So this is why we have so many fucking characters. Joe is the mechanic. Finn manages computer stuff. Very important in street racing. It's very vague exactly what Finn does. Um, Benny is a pilot who works as a military crew chief by day and flies his Cessna to observe the race from the air and help avoid police interference and collisions with traffic and other obstructions. 
He actually is in the army. Yeah. He's, or he's in the military. I don't think he's in the I, army. Okay. Because, again... Might, I think he's in the Air Force. This was when I was still trying to get my Hard Reset Redux review up. So, I missed that bit. So, I thought his joke was he kept blagging stuff. Like, he pretended to be a traffic reporter. Well, he did, st- he to did, be a he did do that one. That but one I was thought the thing. whole thing was supposed to be a running goof that they just didn't flesh out much. So I'm like, when that dude called him sergeant, I was like, how did that man in a t-shirt convince the uniformed military man that he was a sergeant? And yes. now he was really it's because one because he in is real. a sergeant, right. Now That's I correct. understand the character of Liar One Maverick, Benny. Pete is also a driver and is competing in this race against Toby. Um, now the race itself is actually it's actually kind of a, a pretty good race sequence like it it inspires a little bit of hope yeah. that the racing in this might be good well i'll tell you what when they do cars they do them all right yeah they do them all right they, they do them all right it's not bad racing porn for people who like fictional ra- it's no fast and furious or anything like that no but no it's, it, it's barely it's days okay. of thunder but yeah. it's okay it's yeah. serviceable it's not badly shot i mean the film itself isn't badly made you know, it's directed decent, competently. It's Every, shot well. Yeah, that's, everything everything looks in nice. this is competent. There's just it's so kind of bland. Yeah, yeah. And and un- unnecessarily complex. I mean, it's got like a six point five on um, uh, I think IMDb or and, and like around about that on Rotten Tomatoes. Like as far as video game licenses go, it came out pretty unscathed. I and think... the internal logic of the characters makes almost no sense, mm. actually. That's, well, that's, yeah, that's... Okay, so th- so there are problems. Sorry. We're yeah, not saying there aren't problems. Let's problems? Keep... Come on! So this first race begins in parallel with a train, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And the drivers are forced to, like, get to a cutoff point before winding into and through the streets of Mount Kisco. And that's fucking cool. Like, that's a good... And, and, and exactly how I would want people living in upstate New York to plan a race. To plan an illegal street race, like, yeah. I want I want people to have put some thought and effort into it. There's a, there's showmanship. There's a you know there's a reason you're not there watching the Grand Prix because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they can do things the Grand Prix can't. The the Grand Prix can't have a race next to a train. Can't do it. You can't do grasshopper stunt. You can't fuel jet on the move mm-hmm. and other terms that are in this film that I can't remember. Uh, long story short, Pete gets an early lead, then is overtaken by somebody we'll never see again after this sequence, and mm. then Toby comes from behind to win the $5,000 purse in the end. Yeah. As the crew is celebrating at Marshall Motors after the win, Dino shows up with an offer to have Toby's shop complete building a Ford Mustang that had been started on by the late Carol Shelby, who who died a, a couple of years before this, or, yeah, not an, Maybe 2011, I think he died, or 2012. So not that long after the film. He died of a need for speed. Or not that long before the Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that that's what killed him. You know, just... Not once during this film does anyone say a need for speed. No. Th- you know, You'd thank think God. they would. Thank God for it, really. I mean... Really? I, I'm a little... I feel shortchanged, but then I spent 20 bucks on it. <coughs> Compose so, yourself. Um... <laughs> To the shock of Toby's crew, he accepts this deal well, no. uh, to, to do this, this car in exchange for 25% of the sale price, which is expected to be like $2 million. So it's like a, it's like a half a million dollar deal for him. 
And after Dino leaves, Toby explains that he's behind on payments to the bank for the uh, auto shop. And this job would get them solvent again. Uh, and this is the point at which here we see little Pete's real reason for being in this group and in this film. Uh, his, because he's the one who says, oh, come on, guys. Like, this is a chance to work on a piece of history. And he's all like, yeah, I'm so positive and, and nothing can ever go wrong for me. My I'm life is charmed. <sighs> yeah, by the Spoiler way, he dies. He dies and... and, uh. and you know, Thank God, because more than 20 minutes of this guy. He's a mawkish, gormless goldfish of a man. He's a bit of a goon. He's a bit of a goon. Goon, total goon factory. In the morning, the crew is playing some high-quality racing game entertainment from the fine folks at Electronic Arts. When the car arrives, <laughs> and then cut to a view in Manhattan where a holographic laser show of running Mustangs transforms into a piece of precision automotive technology. It's at this point I realized we weren't set in the 50s. Oh, Who knew? shit. Shit. I'll keep recording. Are you still recording? I'm Hello? still here. Are you still recording? Okay, say the bit about the Mustangs again. Um, should we resync just in case? Um, did you keep recording? Yeah, I didn't stop. Uh, we'll be fine then. Okay. Um, at least that's how Laura does it. We keep recording and we don't have to resync. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, we'll find out if that's wrong when I edit. Cool. Uh, so, cut to a venue in Manhattan where a holographic laser show of running Mustangs, the horses, transforms into a piece of precision automotive technology, ultimately mm -hmm. revealed as the finished Mustang to the delight of a highbrow crowd. It was at this point I realized the film wasn't set in the 50s. <laughs> It is so over-the-top unnecessary. It's ridiculous. You've got holographic horses flying about the place. Why? <laughs> Never comes up again. Well, the, the point is to, like, do something to hype up this crowd of, of, of people who are willing to spend $2 million plus on a car, right? Like, but... But when you've already spent two million dollars on horse hologram like, yeah, how technology, much did that, how, how much did it cost to make that sequence, and 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 put that there? I mean, that could have been a quarter of a million dollars in work, yeah. Yeah, you know and equipment, what? and labor. Here's how you sell the car: it's cheaper. Look at my cool cars. Two million dollars. Give me the money. It's I see. I'm interested. There you go. You've got my attention, sir. That's called fucking business acumen, of which I have some. A blonde businesswoman approaches Toby and Pete at the party and yeah. asks a few vague questions indicating that she might not know how you know much about cars. Yeah, here's an exercise for the listeners if you haven't watched it, right? This attractive um, British lady walks up to the two, you know, well-traveled, car-experienced guys. and I don't instantly... think they're well-traveled. Uh, these two car experienced guys and they instantly assume she knows dick about cars and she starts confirming that belief. Well, she she does play it up a bit. Yeah. Now, can you guess what the twist of that scene is? It, it's subtle. It's subtle. Explain for the listener what the twist of this scene is. So Pete patronizes her for a bit before showing her the engine, at which point to... 
everyone's amazement, she identifies numerous aspects of the build and reveals herself to be quite well informed about sport Whoa! racing cars. And they're both like, Toby and Pete are both surprised by this. Like, they express surprise. Yeah, now, Pete, I get. Pete, I understand. Pete's it, an idiot. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not that hot on Toby. He listened to that fucking Fortunate awful, Son cover. Awful. But... Unfortunate son. But he's at least supposed to be the kind of streetwise, sort of, yeah. you know, got something going on under the hood, as here's opposed the, to Pete. Here's how this scene is explained. And this explains a lot of things that happen later in the film as well. Toby Maguire, which I'm going to call him, and his crew are all, like, deep-seated misogynists. Deep-seated. They treat her with, like, outward, almost hostile contempt of the moment she appears. And Toby, up until the moment where it's clear he wants to just fuck her, treats her... Again, with hostility yeah. throughout, for no reason, well, except she's a woman, and yeah. he only starts yeah. changing his attitude once he wants to sling his beans up her chuff. That, oh, no, that's a that is a really. I was gonna try and think of a point at which he or, or, or give him some some reason, some justification for not. Mm-mm. Wanting to interact freak. with her, and I apologise to you know maybe some of our listeners, some of the some of the gamers out there who are listening, um, because we've already said the word Anita a lot because oh, the character's yeah. named it, so that's already upset you. Um, so for me to point out, we um, should have a trigger warning joking, ahead of this episode. Maybe um, for me to point out even jokingly um, that some characters are misogynist, I realise are going to upset people. People got very upset last time. Not everyone, a, a, a few. Yeah, there was a small. People. There were a few people who got upset. They got upset last time when we talked about, I don't know, we, we made some goofs about how something was racist, I think, and we got called SJWs for it. So I'm going to keep up calling them misogynists because it amuses me to do so. It was the double so, dragon thing, I think, wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't that one. It no, no, the, I'm sorry. Uh, it was Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant to say. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sorry about that last time, and I'm not sorry about what I'm going to keep doing this time. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. No, I was going to... I, I, I wanted it to just be, you know, he's a lone wolf guy. But no, he is just, he's just a dick to Very sexist. Yeah. And probably racist. There's no evidence for that. Although they do keep calling Benny a liar. That, oh, that is true. That's rough. And he has no history of lying. None that we know of. None that we're aware of. I mean, yeah. they, they he, claim he that he's lie lied about lying in a, a Apache helicopter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what they say. He's that's why he's called liar one. No evidence. None. They just call him a liar because they're sexist. They're racist. Um, what other bad ones are there? Ageist. Uh, they don't like old men. Do they not like old men? I probably. I bet they don't. I bet they don't. Yeah. They don't like ableist. Oh Very yeah. Ableist. Definitely. No ramps at his auto shop. I bet. So Dino approaches this blonde woman. <laughs> Sorry. Calling her Julia, and it becomes clear that she works for a wealthy car collector who has who may have some interest in buying the Mustang, but she feels it's overpriced. 
Now, Dino tries to sell Julia on it, but Pete, oh, good old Pete, tactlessly reveals that Dino's never even driven the car before. <laughs> and when asked about the speed, Toby claims it's faster than the highest recorded speed at NASCAR at 230 miles per hour. Yeah, and that's Ju why she needs that car. She needs that speed. She needs, she's got a need speed. Julia tells him to bring the car to a track for a demonstration in the morning, assuring them a sale if it performs as Toby suggests. Dino expresses doubt that he can achieve those speeds, and yet refuses to let Toby drive the car himself. Mm -hmm. And Toby's, Toby's convinced he can do it. And in the morning, the Mustang races around the track, and we're, seeing, we're shown it's Toby behind the wheel. And he achieves a speed of 234, which is even higher than he said it could go. Yeah. I trod on my gauntlet button. I'm sorry if that came up on the microphone. I got a, a button that says Warrior needs food badly. <laughs> I, and I didn't want people to think I was just doing it on purpose to be disruptive because I, I wouldn't. That's, that's more No, that's no you're just being disruptive now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, need, I need people to realize I'm, being dis I'm disruptive in the right way, not weekday morning DJ way. It's, I, I dump it onto my table like I do a load of shit I don't want. And sometimes my foot hits it and it's not on purpose. I wasn't going ha-ha gauntlet. Dino's furious that Toby drove the car without him. But all the same, the Mustang sells to Julia's client, a man named Ingram, for $2.7 million. Yeah, and that bit confused me as well. Because I kept thinking um, they were saying England because she's British. Uh, and she was representing the entire country's interest in Mustangs. It could have just been, you know, some street racer name. You know, yeah. They, they, they just... The, the, the other street racers met a, a British guy who came over and started street racing, and they gave him the nickname England. Like, that could have been it. But it's not. He, his name's Ingram. Um, following the sale, Dino argues with Toby about how the F went down, and Pete mocks Dino by claiming Toby's a better driver. This is, once again, Pete opening his mouth when, when he should just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, Dino wants to challenge Toby to a race. But Toby's humility and noble spirit won't let him do it until Dino suggests that the winner of the race get the entire proceeds of the Mustang sale. Yeah. Dino takes Pete and Toby to his uncle's house and shows off three identical, and I'm going to say this, and if you're a car person, I'm sorry, but I'm not a car person and do not care. So you can just wrap that comment, up, comment you've got going up in a bow. And leave it right there. Uh, Kenig's Egg Agera R cars. Uh, these are illegal in the U.S. And Pete talks to Because they're full of guns. <laughs> they're made out of guns and cocaine. They're just, they're just not... Uh, yeah, they're, they're modified and they're built in such a way that they don't qualify for driving on American roads or something. I like uh, my story better. Your story is better. Uh, they're the car from Spy Hunter. Uh, Pete talks Dino into letting him race also against Toby's suggestion that he sit this one out because Pete is a moron who deserves to die. <laughs> the ensuing race has Toby take the lead by racing into oncoming traffic. Why are they racing again? Um, they're racing for Dino's pride, basically. That's I mean, that's, that's really, like, the, like the, the reward, the prize is $2.7 million. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can I also point out at this juncture, 
Um, this film largely revolves around grown ass men making the Stupid stupidest bets. bets. Stupid bets. Like half the time, I'm thinking, like, do they even like cars? Especially Dino, because he keeps trying to give them away. And, and to me, it's inex it's inexplicable that Toby would uh, he would submit himself to his hated rival for the greater good of saving his auto build shop and then immediately do the irresponsible thing of putting the entire enterprise on the line for a race. Yeah, now, yeah sure, you, you'd quadruple your money if you won, and it's great that you have the confidence that you would... But it just goes against, in in some respects, what we had established of this character of making generally wise decisions relative to everyone else he knows. Big time, big time. But but then you know. But we need we need to. We need speed. We need speed. It's true. I, there's nothing I can do about that. So the uh, the race, Toby takes the lead. By racing in oncoming traffic. And even Pete's beating Dino. Like, yeah. come on, Dino, what the fuck? You're letting Pete beat you. Dino. Un until Dino taps Pete's wheel, sending him spinning and flipping off a bridge. And Toby turns back to try and help his friend, sort of. Uh, but Dino drives on, leaving Toby to cry alone at the burning wreck. Now Which I like. I actually am um, going to isolate a clip of Aaron Paul going, no, 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 because it's really funny. <laughs> it, it, it is really funny. And maybe Toby knows more about burning cars than I do. I mean, I can only assume that he does. Which, you know, it's some reason to explain why he's just thrashing around and screaming instead of putting, trying to put the fire out with the water <laughs> from the river that he's thrashing around and screaming in. Like, it's ten feet from water. Why? <laughs> I don't get it. It, it. it must be a don't put water on a gas fire thing that I didn't know about. But, uh, Pete dies. Thank God. Good. And he's buried. Good. And yeah. Pete and tries... I was sat there thinking, like, this is a <coughs> racing movie based on Need for Speed. And now we've got a funeral scene. It's... With that classic shot as well, the whole, like, like panning over the whole cemetery thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a drama. They they there are a few points in this film where the scenes drag out so much longer than they need to. And we're dragging them out even longer than that. But it's but it's a it's a two hour and fourteen minute film. And if they trimmed this down, they could have gotten it under two hours. Like that was possible. It was within within credits included. It was within film... their power to do that. I'm of the belief that a film like this, 90 minutes. Oh, Fair yeah. enough. Like, yeah. a film like this, all video game movies should be 90 minutes, including credits. Yeah, oh, yeah, the film itself should be 85 minutes. Yeah. And give yourself five minutes for credits. It's not, though. No, it's not. So, <laughs> Toby tries to tell the police about Dino's involvement in the crash, but only two of the Agueras, Toby's and Pete's, have been located, and nobody but, nobody but Toby can put Dino at the scene of the crash. Mm -hmm. So Toby goes to prison for manslaughter. Two years later, 
Toby's released from prison, and we hear a phone conversation between him and Ingram, the guy who bought the Mustang, in which Toby asks to borrow the Mustang he built in order to participate in the De Leon race, for which Ingram will receive half the prize, which is like, uh, it's said to be $6 million in cars. And we will talk more about the De Leon prize a little mm. further into this. All you need to know right now is we've got yet another case of someone who supposedly loves cars and just needs to give them away all the time. Toby is picked up at prison by Benny. Uh, liar one. Sorry, liar Jim. One. I know you um, it's right, that, I, Actually, after I made the goof, like I, I, I played that joke out long enough that I get who Benny is. Now. Oh, good, good, good. Because I think I continue to call him Benny throughout the rest of this thing. Yeah. Uh, they discuss reassembling the old crew. And they stop at Marshall Motors, which has been shuttered and closed up because, obviously, with Toby gone, it, it was doomed. And they're met there by Julia with the Mustang. Yep. Who is unwilling to allow Toby to take the car without her, seeing as he's a felon, about to violate his parole by leaving the state to travel to California in under 48 hours to participate in a race he's not invited to yet at a place that is only revealed to those who are invited. Yes. Or as Andrea points it out... The man is wrongfully accused of crimes and goes to fix this by committing all the crimes he was accused of committing. I love that that part of this story with Julia explaining why he can't just take this car. Yeah. Because it is one of two points in this film where the characters themselves express incredulity at how fucking stupid this plot is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, they had to hang a lampshade on it. And um, it's also worth pointing out how furious and disgusted Toby seems to be at the idea of sharing a car with a woman on a road trip. Benny a bit too. Because they're misogynist. They are, and like I want to like Benny, I do, because he is so charming, but it, it comes off bad in this, in this exchange. And... Uh, I haven't forgotten what Benny does later in this film to hammer home his mistake. Oh, well, yeah. No, I They're haven't either. They're all at it. I haven't forgotten either. Oh. Anyway, um, figuring that they can convince her not to travel with them. Yeah. Benny and Toby work together to have Toby bust out his mad driving skills to terrify Julia on the road. Yeah, Julia's played by Imogen Poots. Who's adorable. Very beautiful and such a talent. She is beautiful and such a talent. Actually, I, I like her in this. I think she does okay. I actually do. I think she is um, she is the only one. Yeah, you think so? Doing all right. You think she's the only one? You could say that Keaton's like ham, hamming it up and everything, See, but I yeah, found him annoying. Keaton's, Keaton's my favorite thing in this. I've got um, problems with Keaton in this, but I'll bring it up a bit later. Yes, uh, that uh, we didn't. We never actually established Keaton plays the monarch. The monarch. There we go. Mm. So she's wise to this ruse of them trying to scare her, and she's determined to to stick it out. So she calls him on it and and says it's not going to work, and that settles them into some sort of uneasy peace. You know that they're they're both just sort of committed that this thing is going to happen at this point. Um baby steps, I guess, towards him kind of getting grosser. In a restaurant, some rich asshole is having dinner with Dino and Anita, talking about the mysterious monarch, the monarch figure who hosts the De Leon. 
which Dino has at some point won. Uh, now, Dino is trying to get this man to invest $5 million in his performance vehicle dealership, but the investor's hesitant, saying that the dealer has yet to see a profit, something that Anita, there at the uh, table, she pulls a Pete, so this runs in the family, apparently. Uh, she pulls a Pete and says, oh, honey, I thought you told me it was profitable. It's interesting, because I had no other sign, No, there was nothing, nothing about their relationship other than being told that they were brother and sister that told me they were brother and sister until she speaks out of turn at Dino's. It's like, oh, okay, all right, I see it now. And Dino's furious because he heard a woman speak. Oh, they're all... So this investor agrees on the condition that Dino enters and wins the De Leon again. Which is a spurious reason to... Well, they're going to split a business partnership. They're going to split the the prize of these cars, um, and there's there's a thing. It's worth pointing out that you know we've been told it's like a six million six million dollars worth of cars on the line, right? That's the prize, yeah. but it's not Monarch giving the people monarch! these <laughs> giving people these cars. He doesn't have all these cars that he's going to give to the winners. It's the racers putting up their own car that they're racing in. Hence, the, you know, as, as indicated by Dino's expression of, hey, big risks have big rewards. Yeah, and, and not really when you realize how many cars are left by well, the end of the that's, race. that's, yeah, we will so talk about this to come. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bad. Uh, on the road, Joe calls Toby to check in to provide some moral support. You know what? Joe's not an asshole. We don't get to see enough of Joe to know that he's an asshole. Yeah, it's left up to the audience to just assume. Yeah, well, he's, he's got to be because he's hanging out with these guys. And they're he's terrible. He's probably the one who is pretty decent and just kind of swallows it when they're being, you know, when they're talking about the things they do to some woman they've just seen walking past like he's like mm, yeah you know it's not really funny guys but they just ignore him so he, he reminds him of his dead friend pete just in case you know toby or the audience has forgotten the reason why he's doing this yeah yeah because at some point they realized that the actual movie is really petty until you throw in someone dying. We need an emotional subtext behind this. Yeah. It's very Because otherwise important. it really is just a bunch of grown men who should know better. Now, Julia overhears this conversation and then and, and expresses some sympathy for Toby's situation. And, and there's a little bit of softening of relations there. Cut to a cubicle in Detroit. And Finn is working on some form of office job. Yeah. Because, again, we we got to remember two years have passed since Toby was put in for manslaughter. Right. Um, Everyone's moved on, apparently. Yeah, and, but the whole thing is so rushed that this whole getting the band back together thing doesn't really work because it wasn't... It was less than ten minutes ago that the band was together. There's no real... We never get a sense of the passage of time. No. Because the film rushes 15 movie plots in the first 40 minutes of the film. So Joe calls Finn... And, and his ringtone is uh, The Cars That Go Boom. We like The Cars That Go Boom. Mm. And I love that song. So that, that kind of endeared me to Finn a little bit. Yeah. And, and Joe calls, tells him to look out the window. 
And on the street outside, Toby is revving the engine of the Mustang really loud and drawing a ton of attention, right? And, and yeah, because to... at this point, at this point, as we will find out, Aaron Paul's character of Toby has decided to add more crimes. He needs, he needs to make his life more difficult than it already is. Yeah, so he's violating parole and drawing as much attention to himself as possible right now. Uh, a police officer pulls up next to him, re- responding to a, a, we hear a radio call for an, a noise disturbance. And that is, I mean, I realize it's a downtown area, but it is supposed to be Detroit also. Yeah. And I'm having a little difficulty squaring how quickly this guy gets there. Because <laughs> it's like right away. But so be it. The police officer uh, tells Toby to take the car around the corner uh, after they, they, they have a little friendly banter and Julia in the passenger seat tries to say, oh, my boyfriend's just trying to impress me. I'm sorry, we'll stop, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and Toby egging on the cop a bit. And Toby has other plans for, for this, this goings-on. And he leads the cop on a chase around the park outside Finn's office window. Yeah. For the purposes... Finn, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's for the purpose of Finn seeing that the Mustang leans in the turns in a way that it's not ready to race at De Leon. Yeah. And you didn't really need to bait a police officer when you're already in trouble to do that. No, not so much. But, but Toby doesn't. And, and Finn... You know, as you would, of course. Like, this is just, this is the natural response, I think. Yeah. Finn decides to quit his job by stripping naked, Texas. sexually assaulting one of his co-workers. I'm glad you said it, because I was about to bring oh, up yeah. the... Yep, he sexually assaults a co-worker. He, he takes all his clothes off. Well, not, no, he's, he's, down, he's down to boxers at this point. We do want to be clear. There are lines he could have crossed. That were not crossed here. Yeah. So, yeah, he's walking down a corridor, and I suppose we're, we're, we're meant to be laughing uh, as he symbolically and metaphorically and also literally removes the shackles of his daily grind work that he's, you know, been working out for two years, even though for us it's been, like, half a minute. Uh, and we're supposed to be cheering him. Yes, you are such a free spirit, Finn, as you take your clothes off. You stick it to the man like that. You show them that you you never want to work here again. So take all your clothes off. Oh, you're molesting a woman. Okay. See, here's the thing. As bad as that was... Yeah. Again, if you haven't seen it, basically, uh, they showcase just how much of a free spirit he is by walking past a co-worker, uh, you know, attractive lady co-worker, grabs her, forces his tongue down her throat and says, I always wanted to do that. Which is great. You want to hear that, that the person you've been working with for two years has always wanted to sexually attack you. Yeah. It's, it's bleak. They try and make it all right by throwing in as an aside as he's walking out, just a woman's voice shouting, Call, call me. me. Uh, My oh, and, and there are cheers. The cops, there are cheers. From, there are cheers from people who watch this too. Like, there's a yeah. couple of gasps, and those people are on the right side of history. Yeah, there's one guy in particular in glasses who's like, Yeah, cheering. Also a misogynist. Um, cheering. And then he walks and he pulls his boxer shorts off to show us that he is now nude. In the eyes of God. 
And then we see his ass. It's not a bad ass. It's actually not a bad ass. Gotta, kind of offset by the multicolored socks he's wearing and decided to keep on. He's fit. He does ditch the socks, I think, eventually. No. No? Nope, keeps them on. Wow. Uh, you know, he's fit. Um, there's another problem with this scene that I just, I, I have to bring up. Um, because as he gets up from his, his desk, you hear the un, absolutely unmistakable opening riff of Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. And there is almost no more appropriate song for this sequence. As a song, it is perfect. It sets the, you know, the, the tone for what's going on. It's again, like Fortunate Son, a song that is a bit rebellious. It's about fucking rocking and rolling and going to kick ass. Mm-hmm. And again, the cover that they chose... <laughs> misses the mark by like holy fuck it is this toned down muted again a little bluesy thing and like i like aerosmith i used to be a much bigger aerosmith fan but i like aerosmith and i like a lot of their early work and i I acknowledge that there's not a lot of like incredible substance to it but it's good american rock and roll and this pained me. <laughs> the cover is so bad. Thank God. They are two for two on songs. Perfect for the scene that they're doing. And yet screw it up entirely. I just don't get how you, you do it so bad with such frequency. Still being chased by police, Toby is approached by Kenny piloting a news chopper down the middle of the street. And after some more racing and chasing, Toby escapes by jumping the Mustang from an off-ramp over two lanes of traffic. Yep, it's time for Jim's fact of the show. (laughs) Continuity error in this scene. Really? When the Mustang rides over the ramp, Mm -hmm. it's a different car. (gasps) You can tell because the wheels are thinner on the car that makes the jump than the actual car used for the rest of the film. And none of these cars are the cars that they say they are. No, that is also true. There's uh, <laughs> Dino's car, for example, um, with the one he races in. Um, the windows on the actual version of the car he's in, uh, it's not electric glass windows that roll down. Like, we see him at one point, the, the glass of the window comes down. Uh, the actual car has a tiny window. It's a plastic win- uh, window, and it's got a little hatch that you over- slide for the driver to communicate with people outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, I, said I, I said I wouldn't do the facts, but I felt generous. There were just so many facts. So There's many So many facts. facts to have. And no, yeah, none of the cars in this, because it would be absolutely absurd to risk cars that are this fucking expensive <laughs> to do this sort of thing. And, and maybe... Maybe that could have been kept in mind for the purposes of the plot. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing out the idea that maybe someone writing this script or someone involved in the production at any point along the way said, hey, we wouldn't use these multi-million dollar cars to crash in this movie. Why are these dumb assholes doing it in our movie? 
It's what happens when you got a need for speed, my friend. Food for thought. Mm. Food for thought. <coughs> Maybe so, we don't need speed this much. Maybe we don't. Now, Kenny returns the news chopper, and the team begins transmitting video footage of the police to Monarch. Uh, no, Monarch! Uh, but not before. Not before Benny uses oh, the God damn it, that's right! Okay, I forgot. I, I admit, I forgot about this transgression. I was thinking of something else. Yep. Damn it. So here's what happens. Benny... Uh, has stolen, as far as I can tell, stolen one of those eye-in-the-sky traffic copters. That's correct. The news report is going out. Like, there's an actual live news show going on at the same time, and they cut to the traffic. And Benny is using the camera on the helicopter to film the asses of women as they run by. And he is just like, as creepy as he can be. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Oh, I want to fuck their fucking ass. He doesn't do that bit, but it's he, he, you can tell he's thinking it because yeah. Toby's crew is a bunch of misogynists. God. Damn They've it, all I can't swallowed I the red one. pill and they're all horrible. <laughs> oh. Now, um, Kenny remo- returns the news chopper and the, uh, the, the team begins transmitting video footage of the police chase to Monarch. The monarch! Thank you. I know I'm saying this sentence again, but I just wanted to put us back there. Uh, just as the police start to put their own bird in the air to pursue them. Um, so we, we see that Toby had another plan in mind, which uh, th- th- there was a, a bit mentioned in, in you know, uh, uh, should fix your hair, oh, for my mugshot. That was an actually clever little exchange. I, I, I got to give it credit. That was like a, of a dialogue exchange between Toby and uh, Julia. Uh, that one did not make me want to gouge my eyes out. Mm-hmm. That was that was okay, um, and uh, un- unable to stop their schedule, and you know with the pressure from the release, er, pressure from the release, <laughs> pressure from the police, the popo, the crew yep. begins a mid-drive refueling of the Mustang, much like you know a a jet. Or a, a uh, uh, one of our bombers that we forever have circula- circling over uh, Russia uh, yeah. to drop nukes. The Cold War's not over, my friends. It lives on. Um, yeah, they're, 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 much like they would refuel one of those planes in air with a larger plane that contains fuel, they do this on the road with cars. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's unbelievably stupid. <laughs> like the yeah, I and here where we see Finn actually seems to have some use in the crew. He does. He does finally serve a purpose. He climbs. He's the one who climbs out on top of of the uh, the rig, which they call the Beast. Yeah. And uh, and then Julia also climbs out the window because sort of... she just decided. You know what? Everyone else is being fucking irresponsible. I may as well be as well. She's a she is a businesswoman who engages in multi-million dollar deals on a regular basis. Yep. As we but are you, led to understand. But you see the alleged charms of Toby and the crew are winning her over and indulging her wild side. So yeah, let's hang out of a speeding car. Cuz she needs to help Finn like open up the gas thing to fuel the car while the two cars are moving. And, and once they successfully accomplish this, there's a 
truck backing up outside my window. That's that's fantastic. I hope you enjoy that, listeners. That's the kind of bonus material you you can expect when listening to the spinoff doctors. Absolutely. I, I, you know what? We always struggle to get the plot done because we get into a lot of non sequiturs and segues and whatnot. This, this particular episode, if you've not watched the film, is going to be impenetrable. <laughs> it, and you, we, are, we are actually making people's lives worse because they could have, you know, skipped the movie in theory and listened to this. But now it is so dense and confusing, they're going to have to go and, like, see the train wreck, so to yep. speak? No, none of this will be entertaining if you've not watched the film. I mean, even if you've watched the film, this is going to be a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I can already tell, like, this has gone so far off the rails. It's so bad. Uh, but they escape the police, they leave the highway, they take a more rural route. Watching the footage shot of the police chase, Monarch... <laughs> I was finishing off my orange juice. That'll do. Sorry, carry on. He's impressed. He gets oh, yeah. Dino on the line, who doesn't want to see Toby race at De Leon, and offers up one of his Lamborghinis as a bounty to whoever can stop him from racing. Another ridiculous bet from a grown-ass man. Julia calls Monarch. The Monarch! From the Mustang to question why Toby would risk his parole unless he was righting a wrong. Which gives Anita, who is listening in the dealership that uh, Dino owns, and, and remember, she's Pete's sister, this gives her pause. And all of this is enough for Monarch. The Monarch! Who sends an invitation to De Leon to Toby. Now, Anita gets into Dino's computer and finds a receipt for a storage unit containing the missing third car from the race, What Killed Pete. Proving that Dino was indeed there. She also yeah. does this instantly. Like, she navigates through the folders on Dino's computer in such a way that it wasn't like she was looking for it. She knew exactly where the fuck it was. Yeah, she's like, let me have a look at that folder marked incriminating evidence again to see if there's incriminating <laughs> evidence in there. But it says personal expenses. Like, it's, it's an innocuous folder. Yeah, pretty much. Stopping for gas in Nebraska. Can I just, again, I'm so sorry about all the segments. No, no, no. How does that car prove anything? It's used as some sort of smoking gun. But I, I keep thinking about it, and I can't tell how the car's existence and a dent on it that could have come from anywhere proves a damn thing. No, I, I, I agree. There you could it's make... treated as absolute concrete evidence well, the, that Dino killed Pete. The car that Pete was in, in, in the fantasy of this universe, because we got to acknowledge there are a lot of, um, shall we say, liberties being taken with reality here. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things that just don't make a lot of sense. In this universe, in theory, this is some CSI shit where they can match up damage to the wrecked car to find that, you know, how the, the, the crash actually occurred uh-huh. and match that up with the damage yeah. on okay. the fender. But, but, but then... Second question. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> I'm sure. No, go ahead. What's the second question? I have another question then, because 
later on, I mean, again, this is spoiler territory. I'm basically just going to give away the, the ending here. When that car is eventually yep, yep, flipped. Yep, okay, we're going to get, yep, but we will yeah. talk about that when it happens, because it's, okay. yes. Okay. So stopping, right. for gra- for, stopping for gas in Nebraska, Julia runs into a truck stop to freshen up while Toby refuels. And a state trooper shows up to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, I liked this whole scene, by the way. Out of This was the one scene I liked from beginning to end. Yep, this is all pretty good stuff. And it, it, I think in a lot of ways, because it leans so heavily on Imogen Poots. Yeah, very beautiful and such a talent. Um, her name's Poots. Poots. That's adorable. Like, how can you not like her? Her last name's Poots. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, the, uh, the cop... Gets a cup of coffee. He sees the Mustang on a security camera and, and clearly must have remembered the APB that was out for it in some other state. Um, maybe. Like, that doesn't... I'm not convinced that they've had police interference in Nebraska that would lead this police officer to yeah. look for at it. This, at this point, we're supposed to just believe that all the cops know who Toby is and they all want to get him. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, so he's on edge, he's ready, he's prepared for something going on. And then he spots Julia being not too subtle about not wanting to be seen by a cop. <laughs> she, she's walking out, she sees the cop, and she does the, oh shit, I'm gonna duck behind this rack of stuff, I guess. And the cop totally sees her do it. Yeah. And he, he's good, he's got this, this smile, he's like, okay, so we're gonna do this. And, like, he's having fun with it. Oh, yeah. I like that. Um, She tries and and fails to charm her way out of the situation, which, again, stretching credulity. Because she's really charming. And her her American accent is uh, quite adorable. Her Southern American accent was quite, quite entertaining. I liked it. Um, but, But failing to charm her way out, she runs deeper into the truck stop, going into an office upstairs and out the window. And Toby sort of pulls up at this point and tells her to jump off of this uh, little metal roof that she's, like an overhang that she's sitting on. Yeah. And she's afraid of heights. And it's like 25, 30 feet. I mean, it's not like a tremendous height, but it's enough of a height that you could possibly hurt yourself if you yeah. were to jump off a concrete, onto concrete. At this point, I moused over this scene mm-hmm. um, on the Amazon thing, and they had goof... Like, they list goofs in the film, like, things that are messed up. And they had goof, colon, not a goof. They, they, they pointed out something that looked like it could have been a goof, but wasn't. Um, totally pointless fact. Imogen Poots, Julia, um, says she's on the second floor of the gas station. Mm-hmm. And Amazon felt the need to point out, as what they call a Britisher which I've never heard that term before. Oh, she would have called it the first floor because yeah. ground floor is zero. As, yeah, the exact fact, I'll, I'll try, it's, this isn't, well, this isn't an exact quote, but this is a, a pretty close to verbatim. As a Britisher, Julia would have said the first floor because in Britain they call it the ground floor and then the first floor. However, knowing she's talking to Americans, Julia would know to, quote, do as the Romans do, end quote. Well, we Amazon are that felt empire. the need to type that out. <laughs> <sighs> so there's, there's another fact. 
uh, after a brief back and forth about, you know, jump off the roof, oh, I'm scared, so forth, so on and so forth, yeah. she just sort of drops from the roof. Like, they're, they're going to do a three count, and she goes on one. And she lands right in Toby's arms. It's a really well shot and executed drop. It was a really, there was something about, there was something satisfying watching the catch. It was very understated, but very strong. Yeah. I, I felt satisfying to watch her just fall into Aaron Paul's arms like that. I don't know why, but... It, it was... was it, it, uh, there's... It is one of the rare moments that exceeds competence in this film. You know? Exceeds mere competence and does yeah. something that's like, wow, that was... On a technical level, they nailed that shot. That shot's perfect. Um, let's see. Yes, the trooper goes to pursue in his car, only to have the rear axle break away from the rest of the vehicle due to a well-placed chain, presumably by Toby, um, while the officer was in the rest stop. That, that, that whole sequence is, yeah. is perfect. I liked that scene. It was very well shot. The the police car just about to speed off, and then the whole rear axle comes off. And I was like, that's good. And then I moused over and said, uh, basically, it was taken from American Graffiti. Yes, yes. I mean, it's been done. It's not... Uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah. And it hasn't just been done in American Graffiti. It's been done... Sure, yeah. Because everyone saw American Graffiti and did that. But, um, but it's... It it's, is a classic bit, but they, they did it well enough. Yeah, it is. It's a, it is. It's a classic bit well executed. It is a good thing to do to watch this on Amazon in a browser and mouse over. Anytime you think something is good, because Amazon will point out which movie they stole it from. This isn't the first thing it does. There's some other bits as well. And... Any of the really good stuff is probably uh, what they call a shout-out to crit. another film. Yeah. So, Toby and Julia swap seats so that Toby can get some sleep. Because you got to keep in mind, he has been driving now for, I would say, let's see, this is nighttime. He's been charitably driving over 24 hours with almost no stop. Like just brief interruptions. That's fucked up. Um, I've done a 24-hour road trip. Yeah. spread across three people and that was painful mm -hmm. um well two people and we almost didn't make it okay we almost died i was i was in a moving truck moving from arizona to portland and it was a like a 22 hour drive and i did almost all of it but oh like after mm. 16 hours you just got to take a break like i don't, uh, I don't yeah. care who you are i don't care how much you need that speed if you're listening frequent rests okay tired drivers kill uh he wakes up sometime after sunrise in what appears to be arizona uh to the sensation of a truck hitting the rear bumper of the mustang and these are apparently people seeking the bounty that uh yeah. that the unnecessary bounty that dino put on him in order to insert more plot into a movie that is already going to be 15, 20 minutes too long. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the bounty hunters from Star Wars show up. They're just, just a guy I like to call Meaty Boba Fett because he plays Boba Fett's role and he looks like he's made out of beef. His, uh, his actual character name, um, or the, 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 his, his race group team is like Hawaiian themed. Mm -hmm. What are they? I wish I could remember what they were called, but it's, it's terrible. It's so dumb. Um, yeah, then they're, they're driving big trucks and Hummers, and, like, they must just be car collector people. They must not really be that into the racing aspect, because I, I mean, or unless you 
I don't know, maybe there is a, an underground truck racing community, but that seems weird to me. They want the car. That's that's all we know. They they want that car, and they are prepared to They want to that do... Lambo. Yeah, they got shotguns, son. And so a chase involving gunfire begins around the narrow roads of the, of the Grand Canyon. And uh, again, now speaking from personal experience, no. Fuck you, no. Fuck you, no. You cannot do this. <laughs> this is death in a car. They're on dirt roads. I've been on roads in that area, dirt roads mm-hmm. in that area. No way. Absolutely impossible. Just beyond anything. And I know some of that's my personal knowledge of, of having driven on roads around the Grand Canyon. Just, ooh, no. Everyone involved there should be dead. I mean, yeah. I, not because of what they're doing is dangerous, just morally, it would be the right thing if they were all dead. <clears throat> now, just when it looks like there's nowhere to go, an Air Force helicopter appears with Benny at the helm, which drops a chain down for Toby to connect inside the cab of the Mustang so that the helicopter can carry the car across the Grand Canyon. Now, uh, the way this happens, then the, the car's facing down, uh, which triggers uh, Julia's agoraphobia that we learned she had in the previous scene. Or two scenes ago? Yeah, two scenes ago. And uh, it flares up, and Toby calms her down by getting her into an argument over whose eyes, his or hers, are bluer. It is kind of adorable. Kind of. Kind of? But really just weird. (laughs) Kenny delivers the Mustang to the rest of the crew, who are somehow waiting for them. At this place. Don't know how that happened. That doesn't make any sense. No. But uh, they're accompanied back to the... uh, uh, Kenny's then accompanied back to the military base. And I'm calling him Kenny. His name's Benny, isn't it? At some point in my writing here, I switched Benny to Kenny. Liar (laughs) 1 is accompanied back to the military base he stole this helicopter from by a couple of jets. Arriving in San Francisco... Toby goes to the hotel where the registration for the De Leon has taken place. Despite being 23 minutes late when he gets there, he still finds time to get into an argument with Dino about Pete's death, at which point Toby promises he won't turn back for Dino when he wrecks. Well, uh, mm. Returns, uh, yeah, he's got mm. the, the ring and the, this is where the we priorities. see Priorities. So back in the car. Julia tries to comfort Toby and proceeds to book him a hotel room. And as they're pulling out, the Mustang is struck by a truck and flipped over. Now, this is the exact opposite of that catching her scene. This is the scene that we all know is going to happen and is telegraphed so poorly that it loses almost all its impact when it happens. Because they take this unbelievable amount of time uh, for them pulling out of the driveway, and this soft music is playing, and yeah. it's so clear. And they're clear. talking about fucking. It's so clear they're setting you up for a fall. And then, so when it happens, you're just like, yep, they got hit. Yeah. Not surprised. And they're hit by a character called Big Al. Big Al. That's Dino's 
uh, lackey who is only seen like a couple twice. of times. Yeah, like, he calls he, he, Dino in for a meeting with someone in an earlier scene. Yeah, and that's supposed to be the big oh my god, Dino got Big Al to hit. But the I didn't truck. recognize the dude no. at all. I just He's assumed just it was the Hawaiian beard. guy caught up. <laughs> That was that's what I thought it was. Yeah, but no, but the implication is supposed to be that oh god, Dino just t- took his own, took the matter into his own hands or Big Al's hands anyway. <clears throat> so, uh, Toby calls for help from his crew, and he drags Julia out of the wreck, and they drop her off at the hospital, leaving Finn to look over her, the guy we know who has sexually assaulted someone. Yeah, I don't want to think about so it. So that's, that's it does not bear thinking. That's about. not good. Toby calls Anita, Pete's sister, remember? And Anita, uh, they meet on a bridge, and Anita reveals that she knows now that Dino was there when Pete died. And that she's decided to leave Dino. Yeah. And this was another, very much like the scene where something about it must run in the family. Because just like that scene where Pete is dying and they're right by the body of water, she gets the ring out to show she's left him, and then just puts it back in her pocket. Like, a river's right there. Why didn't you... I was waiting for the dramatic fling it into the water. There's just something about that bloodline where they just misuse water when it's there. (laughs) So, uh, Toby says he needs a car, and Anita gives him a card from her purse, and it's the business... It's it's the business card for the, the storage company that Dino got the storage unit for the Agera. And you were, you're supposed to recognize this by, you know, in the following scene, you're showed the business card and you can see the logo and you match it up with the, the, the invoice that she looked at earlier. And you're supposed to make that connection. How the, f- did, how much hunting did she have to do to get that business card? Well, considering like, was she it just found... sitting in Dino's Rolodex, like right there, like third from the front? And it must have been, like, she found incriminating evidence against Dino like that. Right. The business card must have... She must have tripped getting out of the office, out of Dino's office. She tripped up, fell on the floor, and it was just there on the floor in front of her. <laughs> That's what I like to think happened. <sighs> so, but this, this does lead Toby to the storage unit where Dino had stashed the third Agera. Uh, he's there with Joe. And, and, then uh, and Joe, Joe says, this is the second yeah. point here where the characters yeah. do the work of... <laughs> And they say, Joe says, why wouldn't he just destroy it on behalf of everybody watching the movie? Yeah. To which we get the terrible response. Some people just think they won't get caught. And while that's true, why wouldn't you? Like, you can't sell that car ever. No. Just destroy it. Like, st- don't pay upkeep on storing it. Yeah, you write it off as a loss. Yeah. Like, they could have maybe established Dino was actually some sort of, like, you know, actual bad guy and kept it as a trophy of the killing what he done did. But... Some, like, that would have been some actual motivation for keeping it. There's no other... There's I can, no other good reason. I can... Uh, I have silver lining. Okay. It, 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 it reinforces the understanding that Dino is just a bad businessman. His, his, his thing is his dealership's losing business. It's not, it's not profitable. Mm-hmm. And it's because he stores evidence that could be used against him to put him in prison that he can't do anything with or ever profit from. 
in a box somewhere. He's paying yeah. to do that. That's why. That's why he's going under. I mean, this is also the man that gives away million dollars in cars uh. to destroy another car, so... So now in possession of the necessary poetic justice, Toby returns to the hospital to check on Julia to get some emotional reinforcement so that we have all the elements we need to make this uh, a thing that the audience should care about. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia has a broken arm at best. She's waiting on a CAT scan. Uh, after they establish that he's doing all of this for Pete one more time, they kiss. And the race is getting set up. Everyone is attempting to tune in, including Julia at the hospital, which apparently just has laptops lying around for patients who want to watch streaming video when they ask. Mm-hmm. And Kenny in a military jail. Benny. B- Benny, thank you. God damn it. You're fine. Benny, who tries to flirt with a female guard for access to an iPad. Which he gets. Which, yes, inexplicably he gets. That's how much respect this movie has for, for our, our men and brave women. men and women in uniform, for our troops. <laughs> oh, and, I mean, credit where credit's due. They didn't make the guard a complete fucking failure. Because she doesn't just give him the iPad. She holds it for him on the other side of the bars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <clears throat> uh, Monarch. No, Monarch! Announced so the competitors. <laughs> a list consisting of four people we don't know nor care about. But they're all introduced and named. Dino and Toby, who arrives in dramatic fashion at the last moment in the Red Agera. Toby takes a moment to walk up to Dino's Lamborghini yeah. to app Can on I also the window. just point mm-hmm. out, yes? one of the races is called the Gooch. Yes. That's, that is correct. We're supposed to think that, you know, we've <laughs> These got are this... These serious wa- people. This wacky assortment of, of races. <laughs> like, these eccentric... Which, in any other movie, like, this would be the film. This is where a good race movie starts right. because the movie is the race. So we'd have all these characters with all their different like, 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 and we would have some investment. We would have some investment in everybody in this race, right? Yeah, because they go out of their way to give us like very distinctive looking races mm-hmm. with distinctive cars. Another one of them is called Texas Mike. Yeah, and and uh, Lord British was that one of them? No. No. no but English like, Paul. English Paul. That's it, yeah. English Paul. Like, there's... Yeah. That, but but we've instead had to spend an hour and a half yeah, with, with, with Toby and the misogyny crew. Yeah. When, when <laughs> this is where the film should have started. Ah... <laughs> uh... So Toby walks up to Dino's Lambo, taps on the window, points out his sweet ride, and returns Anita's engagement ring on her behalf. And he's looking so sour. Oh, he's burned. It's a sick burn. Uh, he's got a nice jacket, though. Looks good. Yeah, on looks him. good. Looks good. He's a, you, know, you know, he's always fashionable. Oh, Dino. yeah. That's... Dino Say Brewster. what you like about Dino. He's, he, he's a manslaughterer he's and a liar. Look. But, yeah, he's got the look. And the race is on. Soon... 
a police helicopter. The movie started. (laughs) The movie started out, and a police helicopter observes the race, which should happen every time this race happens. That should always happen. So why has this race happened more than once? Well, another thing that's pointed out, they they keep referring it not just as, as, you know, the Daily Honor or whatever, the secret on. Yes, there is an internet radio broadcast of it that shows its location. Yeah, the drivers never know where it is. They need a secret invite, and then they get given the location. But but then immediately the, the whole world is. is told. Yeah, it's like I mean, you know, police are monitoring monarchs. The monarch show, like you know that they're doing that because he's a known entity. Yeah, that these well-known racers who race in Indy, like pay attention to, and you know this myth and, and and maybe maybe there's some you know like secret website that's only for hardcore race fans and that's how this is broadcast but you know what i'm just not seeing it because it's treated like a call-in show and it's just fucking weird yeah it's i'm assuming that the, this monarch is a wanted man not monarch Thank you. Yep. I'm assuming he's a wanted man because he's he's overseeing and hosting illegal street races but his face is broadcast constantly on an internet radio station. Uh, yeah, I, I, Where is he based? He's, uh, well, and that's, it, it, it's, it's suggested by the shape of the room that he's in. And, and I think uh, it's I mean, someone offhand, like a tower or whatever that he's living. I think he's living in the lighthouse at the end of the movie. <laughs> Which... Makes no sense at all. Like, the cops are right outside his fucking door. Well, maybe some people just don't think they'll get caught. <laughs> so one by one, the people we don't care about are eliminated from the race due to yeah. police interference or the other racers. Mostly yeah, police point, interference. At one point, a cop puts a stick on the accelerator oh, yeah, yeah, of his yeah. car For- and sends it like a kamikaze into one of the racers. I don't think cops do that. We have a pile-up first that eliminates one guy. Uh, then a cop car launches off of a a, uh, a ramp. And I guess, it's, it, I think it was one of those, like, those rig-loading vehicle ramps. I think that's what he went off of. Like a tow truck ramp that has a, a platform as opposed to a, uh, a crane. Flies off of that straight into the windshield of another car. Yeah, oh yeah, so many times while watching this race, I was just going, he's dead. Yep, he's dead. Yeah, these people are... He's definitely dead. But the cop sets his trap by rigging his car. Great timing. I mean, I gotta give give him credit. He did that well. Mm -hmm. And and then the last guy goes down pretty much the same way Pete did, with uh, Dino clipping the back of his car. So, uh, that's another manslaughter charge for, for Dino, and it's on camera now. Like, there's footage of it. There, he should be. He's gonna go to prison for for manslaughter. I'm sure. Yeah. Because the only two people we see pulled out of cars alive are Toby and Dino. I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the, a guy in a white car, or maybe it's a black car, who sort of spins out, and I'm sure he's fine. Like the first guy eliminated, I'm sure he's fine. But everybody else in this race has got to be Everyone fucking else dead. Is dead. Like, like, every character in this film deserves to be in jail. Every one of them. 
Julia as well, she's an accessory. They all deserve jail time. Every one of the cops, because that was not by the book. No. The, the monarch, definitely. Authorized all of them. for deadly force. Mm-hmm. You hear on the radio that the cops are authorizing deadly force. First, it's a street race. On- Even characters who aren't on screen. Like, whoever authorized that should be in jail. Yes. Yes, these roads are empty. There's nobody mm. on these roads. The nurse that gave Julia a laptop probably stole it. <sighs> probably. How from, else are you going to get a laptop? Probably from someone with cancer in another room. Exactly. Uh. Everyone deserves jail time. With only Dino and Toby remaining, Dino retakes the lead. And as Toby attempts to pass him again, Dino takes a swipe at Toby. But Toby hits the brakes. Dino misses, losing control of his car, and crashes. Now... Because he is the noble worthy, noble hero, worthy of our respect, as an audience, Toby makes a liar of himself, mm-hmm. turns liar. around, pulls Dino from the burning Lamborghini. Couldn't yeah. pull Pete from his burning Aguera, but manages to... <laughs> what the fuck, Toby? <sighs> Giving him a good old punch for good old Pete, Toby returns to the Aguera and finish, drives to the finish line at the base of the lighthouse, thus fulfilling Pete's vision of Toby winning De Leon. And it turns out that apparently, yes, he had psychic powers. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's not, it's not the way he wanted to win it, though. You know? No, no. no. This is like, the, this is like uh, the Dark Zone shit, right? Or, or the, the, dark, the Dark Half? No, the Dead Zone, the Dead Zone. You know, where, uh, uh, that Stephen King's story, where the, the right. dude, yeah, yeah, only sees things that go horribly wrong. That's what this is. Poor old Pete. You know what? Maybe it's best that he died. Mm-hmm. Freed him from his curse. Toby and Dino are arrested. The police identified the Agera as belonging to Dino somehow. And Right, here we go. And can we set us, can we, can we point <laughs> out? Why the f- Fuck, didn't he just go to the police with the car rather than risk it destroying it? The evidence and his only chance at vindication by racing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Yeah, like, the, I, the proof that this car was the one that killed Pete, in this film's twisted logic, is the damage done to it. And he just risked doing so much more damage to it it would be impossible to ascertain that that was the one. That was the car. Not only that, but who owned all three of those cars in the race? Uh, that was uh, Dino's uncle. Right. He owned them all, yeah? Uh, yeah. At one point during this end scene, you hear the police over the radio. And no, actually, it's the, it's the monarch who says The it. monarch! And thank you. Uh, the monarch is the one who says it. You don't have to do it again. Um... He says, the police have confirmed that that car belonged to Dino. Therefore, he's going to get put in the jail for being naughty boy. He owned all of them. If ownership of the car determines who killed Peter, why wasn't Dino's uncle thrown in jail for two years for manslaughter? (sighs) Why... Any, why is ownership now evidence when it wasn't the first time? Well, it's, I 
think it's, it's supposed How does he prove Peter was there? It's supposed to be pro- it's supposed to somehow prove Dino was driving that car when it does so Dino, yeah, does it nothing. It does nothing to do that. It just proves he owned it. He owned all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know the the reason I think the reason uh that Monarch no Monarch knows the uh the the story is because everybody in Toby's crew told everybody that they know about you know the third car and which is and an so evidence. It, it's none of this is evidence. I know, I know. But you know if these. Dino but these are people. These are people who believe in legends. Clearly, I guess so and, uh, this is also a place where where people have psychic powers that are confirmed only in the last five minutes of the film. It suddenly becomes a supernatural film. Um, none, like none of this makes sense to the point where I'm upset about it. Toby is charged with illegal street racing and serves six months in prison. Yep, and um, Michael Keaton said, "I'm sick of the the other." Oh, thing. Yep, yep. Michael Keaton says, "You know, you get several months in jail. Um, was it worth it?" And I'm thinking, no, no, probably it, not. It, the race wasn't worth it. The prize for the winning the race isn't worth it. What prize? Because there, yeah, there are no cars left. They all got totaled. Or one of them was uh, was uh, taken into evidence. At the very least, it's all seized as evidence. Mm-hmm. There was no. He benefited nothing. Yeah. From racing this race, the reason this film ha- exists, racing, is not only. Like, non-important to the plot, actively against the point of the plot. Actively runs counter to the goals of the hero. Yeah. When he's released, Julia picks him up in a different Mustang, and the pair drive off into the sunset. She offers to drive, and he's like, oh, I've seen you drive. Oh, right back into the misogyny. Right back to it. Just, just... Clearly, they're in a relationship now, so he's beginning. He's learned the slow nothing. Psychological dismantling of his bride to be. Yep, and that's and Need that's, for Speed. Yeah, and I instantly turned it off. Good for you. I don't know if there's anything after the credits because I didn't stick around to watch that either. It doesn't matter. It would probably just be more sexism. Yeah. And that's Need for Speed. We will be back in a second to tell you what we thought about it. I think you got a clear idea. Can you tell? (laughs) So, Conrad, did you like Need for Speed or not? I didn't hate... I'm so ambivalent about this movie. Mm -hmm. There is no reason to watch it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It is competently made. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. In terms of quality of production, I would say it's possibly outside of Wreck It Ralph, the best one we've done. Yeah, I'd say and on a pure technical level. Yeah, I'd say that that's fair. Well um, shot, good cinematography. Um, you know the effects for crashes and explosions and shit, decent, good, good. Uh, it there's some nice set pieces. The dialogue's they, not terrible, but it's just the plot overall is so bad that there's yeah. you know. So that's that's like that's the big issue is that that the writing of this, um, they made a film that was too complicated, 
they, they, some of these are, some of the things in the plot certainly are justifications to inject another sort of action sequence, and I get mm-hmm. that, but they didn't need to make all these excuses. No, it, it, they could have just had because he's on a cross country trip. He could have just yeah. had shit happen. He could have run from more cops uh, if you There's needed that. There's a lot of that. things that could have been done. I mean, ultimately, the film would have been better if that last race had just been drawn out and made the story. Um, that would have been better. Like, establish a backstory that old Dino was involved in this thing that got a mutual friend killed and all this stuff. You can even start the race at, at De Leon. You know, at the at the, uh, exactly. the start of yeah. the race, and it then been. and you introduce all of of the characters involved in the race. Uh, I would have then taken it into some flashback territory and sort of explained how all of these people that got would have there. been better. Definitely um, would have been better. And and you can plant some seeds and, and so forth. And you don't necessarily need uh, six, five or six like secondary characters whose contribution mm-hmm. to the plot. Uh, is necessary for really all of five minutes each. That other one, that other member of the crew, whose name I've forgotten, who does nothing, Joe, what was his point? He's the mechanic. He didn't do anything worth... Like, you could have... Any one of the other characters could have done a bit of mechanic stuff. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have missed him. We wouldn't have missed half the crew. We wouldn't but, have missed. But then we wouldn't the have bounty had. Hunters. We wouldn't have had the one guy who wasn't an outright sexist either. So yeah, I just we wouldn't have missed so much of that film. It's t- it's over two hours long. Yeah, man. it's way way too long. It's so boring as well. That's my biggest problem with this film. It's not especially bad. It's not good. It's boring. I couldn't. I I was looking at the how much of the movie I had left. I was about halfway through, and I was so sad because mm-hmm. it was so dull. And the movie knew how dull it was. And do you know how I know the movie knew how dull it was? How's that? Because they paid Michael Keaton to be this movie's Flavor Flav. And thank God, actually. His entire job in this film is to basically scream at the audience and demand they be as excited as he's paid to pretend to be. He's the movie's hype man. He's the hype man. He's the Flavor Flav. He's yep. there going, oh, there's so much drama. There's so many cops showing up. This is exciting. I'm into this. And I'm like, son, who are you fooling? <laughs> Not me. His whole job in this, um, again, his role is a reference to another film, another race film that I forgot the name of. It's like of Cannonball there. Run, isn't it? Uh, it? It's not Cannonball Run. It begins with a V, I think. Um, but the job of an announcer who's giving sure. his character motivation yeah. and basically narrating. Um, he's, he's, he's also he's, he's the DJ from The Warriors, basically. Yeah. And he's there not just to, to hype. He also explains things that he thinks the audience are too stupid to get. Like, oh, you know, what's Aaron Paul's character? I've already Toby. done. Toby. You know, he's doing this in the race now um, because we wouldn't get it otherwise. But yeah, his, his role is to... Pretend to be excited to convince us it's exciting. And it doesn't work. I love Michael Keaton. I love him. He's he's really good. Mm-hmm. But he could not sell this film. No. And his entire job was not to play a character, but to sell the film to the audience. And I'm okay with, with that, because I just... He... 
I enjoy the movie more when he's in it because I just oh, sure. I, I enjoy him. And sure, I mean, I'd, I'd enjoy a dog shit with sugar on it more than just regular right, vanilla exactly, dog shit. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, but it ain't going to do much. It's just, I'm glad that the movie existed for the purpose of putting a paycheck into Michael Keaton's pocket. <laughs> he does, he, he, he benefits there, from the There are a few performers out there that they could be in anything, literally anything, and I would be willing to pay some money to see them perform in it. Uh, uh, the 11 members of the state. And, oh, and that's true, And yeah. they participate in some shit. Like, I, I'd like that with um, a few members of the state. I'm a big Michael Ian Black fan. I will... Uh, um, you introduced me to, mm-hmm. to him through Stella. Uh, yeah, I can see that. There are some... Uh, Sean, um, Sean Pertwee. He's, he's my favorite actor of all time. Right. And he's been in some shite, but I will watch a film if he's in it. I've been, I've been led to believe that um, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, Nine is really, really good. Uh, I did watch the, uh, the first half of the first season, and mm. I did not get the impression it was really, really good. Uh-huh. Because I don't care for Andy Samberg very much. Right. But Joe Latrulio's in it. And that puts me at a really uncomfortable crossroads because I, they started putting him more and more into the show, I think. And now I, I feel like I should watch it. And people to get say Conrad it's good. Dollars. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but yeah, Michael Keaton, who I think as he gets older is just going to become more and more the next Dennis Hopper. That could, yeah, I, I want him to be the next, um, I want him to be the next Bill Murray. Give him a few more years, Just, and he will be the guy who's in what the fuck ever. Yes. Yeah. Ben and Kingsley, will always but, be at least a bit entertaining. Ben Kingsley, but at least you, you, you're happy ben with the Kingsley, result. Ben Kingsley, but yeah, but, but <laughs> Keaton actually bothers. Because, I mean, that's it. I, I will give him that. Very much like Raul Julia, very much like Billy Zane. Michael Keaton, you give him any role, and he'll bother. Yeah. He'll do it. And he'll do it as entertainingly as the script allows. Yep. Yep. No, he's, yeah. he's fine. Um, Imogen Poots, again, delightful, actually. Lovely. Lovely. And uh, very, She was very watchable throughout the whole thing. And, and She sold it. And Aaron Paul is serviceable. Like, you think? Yeah, he's he's okay. I, he's okay. I just don't. I did not like him. I just don't I think he's supported. Like I don't think that the story has the emotional weight that he's trying to put into his performance. He just grunted. Like his character was grunt. He grunted throughout the whole film. Ugh. Ugh. No, 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 no. I I don't know. I took him more as the sort of self-assured, you know, confident, not not feeling the need to brag kind of I think the character was person. too down to earth for him. Mm. Okay. I don't think he sells down to earth that well. Well, I mean, Jesse, how down to earth is he? Like, look at the decisions this character makes over the course of well, this. Well, again, the f- it it was supposed the characterization was down to earth and yeah. then he was given the decision making of a Nicolas Cage character is most manic. Yeah, I don't know that anybody would have saved this or done a better job of playing that character than him. He was fine. I don't. I didn't hate him. 
Uh, it, there just wasn't really anything interesting there. I really do feel I, like I may I may be blaming the character on on um, Aaron Paul's performance a bit. Too I mean, much. I don't I don't I think maybe when he's you know they're crying in the river. I mean, it is over the top, and it's like you just have no attachment to how upset he is. And, and yeah. he's been so relatively well, think, non-emotional up to that point. I think that's a problem with the film overall, is it establishes no... It, it moves too fast. It's got a need for speed. It moves too fast for us to connect with any of their feelings. Right. Like, again, we're supposed to buy that he's been in jail for two years. We're supposed to buy this whole getting the band back together moment as they get Finn back, as they get Benny back. Um, but nothing's given enough time to mature as a plot point that none of it connects. Right. Again, needing Michael Keaton to tell us that it's connecting. Um, this is a, a classic example of a film that is telling and not showing because we have characters that may as well just be looking straight at the camera and addressing the audience saying, here's why this plot point matters. Yeah, I, 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 well, again, it happens pretty much at, at two points yeah. where they, they, they outright question why this is even happening at all. And Which smacks of a film that knows it's not doing enough and it, chooses to wallpaper over the cracks. But it does, it, it tries to do too much. Again, that's, that's, they have to move so briskly because they tried to cram so much into it. There yeah. are three movies in this. It's a there's a coming of age story. There's a road trip story. There's a race story. There's I'd say there's more than three. No, the, the revenge narrative, which could be applied to any of those, or could it be just its own thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's convoluted, unnecessarily so, uh, with no real payoff at all. Like, yeah. The the racing sequences are good but they're not good enough to justify the other hour and a half of stale conversation and being told how exciting this movie is. Yes. There was very little racing. Uh, like, like let's, let's point that out as well. Yeah. Very little actual racing. A fuckload of standing around talking, being miserable about some shit. Or being on a highway talking in a car. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's, t- it's over two hours long. It's way too long. It's way too long. And I, I... I do feel like this is one of those instances where genuinely maybe... Maybe an apology is in order. I mean, it's yeah. not... It's not... It's not bad. But if it were bad, that would be better. In a way. Yes, I think so. Like, it, it's just not remarkable. It's one of the longest films we've watched for this, and one of the least remarkable, and that's a lethal combination. And, and we still managed to talk for nearly two hours about it. Yes, um, so. and mm. I imagine at this point people are saying the same thing about this podcast that I've been saying about the movie. <laughs> Too long. Full of extraneous shit, needlessly complicated. Well, that's what we do here at the Spinoff Doctors. We create a, a whole experience. We wanted to make you feel what it feels like to watch Need for Speed. And I think we've done it. I think we've done that very well. Which, considering in order to understand and pass any of what we've said, you need to already watch Need for Speed, just adds insult to injury. <laughs> so what are we doing next, Jim? 
What are we doing next? We are going... We, we're dipping into sequel territory. Woo-hoo! This is uh, a continuation of a series we've already um, entered. It is a movie I'm looking forward to re-watching because I believe... I've only watched it fully the once, and I do believe I enjoyed it more than the original. We're watching Resident Evil Apocalypse. Excellent. I'm... I'm I'm ready to see more of that. Uh-huh. I, again, it's a thing where there's a certain quality standard that can be expected, um, and 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 uh, and then a bunch of stupid. I'm expecting a bunch of stupid. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. It's got a um, a surprisingly screen accurate nemesis, and eagle eyed Game of Thrones fans will be able to spot Jorah Mormont, who's in it. Um, the actor who plays Jorah Mormont, not the actual character of Jorah Mormont. That would be weird. That would be weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And if I recall correctly, it's got a lot more actual Resident Evil-y things in it, like more zombies and things. Not half the cast dying to lasers, which I'm still not over. <laughs> um, so yeah, Resident Evil Apocalypse will be our next stop. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Me too. And I think that's us done. I think so. I think that's us done. Thank you. I'm not sure. Um, because, again, I'm in a bit of an altered state of mind, so I'm not sure whether this is the best or the worst one we've done. I think it, it's going to be one of those two. I, I think it's probably going to fall in the middle. Yeah? Yeah. I think I think it's going to be not, not you know, uh, it, it, it won't be as uh, as good, I think, as, as Pokemon or... Uh, or it but. felt... Even doing it felt indecipherable. A little bit, a little bit. We'll see. We'll have to see how it holds up. Let us know. You can tell yeah, us. Yeah, do. Yeah. Be honest, but not... But don't be so, mean. So you don't have to be you, mean. Just tell us you liked it. We have feelings. Yeah, tell us you liked it. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up. Um, you can see more of Conrad uh, at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and his YouTube channel, Conrad Zimmerman also. That's correct. Um, you recently started a new series, did you not? I did. I've started uh, playing stuff I find on itch.io. Really? Yes. That's a, that's a uh, clever idea. I love... <laughs> Hush you. I didn't... St- <laughs> See, I, I didn't... I, I, I actually said, like, I could give him shit about this. Yeah, it, yeah well, you shouldn't, because I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the one who told you that you needed to start going to Itch and playing the games there and making videos of them, so... Oh, I, don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, I bet you don't. Even if you did chomp my flavor, there are, there are a handful of people who are allowed to chomp my flavor. Well, and, and, and you, do, you do it a little different. You go with oh, a, a theme. Said, I'm and, not actually yeah. saying you... you, yeah. you, you, you uh, copying or anything like it's it, it's a good video actually. Well, thank you. That's quite kind and of you. And you call say. it sc- scratching itch io. Scratching itch io, and it was what was it space hamster? I did space hamster, and there's a couple of more up there now. Um, I played. Oh, okay. Yeah, I played a game called uh, Ponder, which is a walking simulator. It's one of those wander through right. rooms and get epilepsy. Um, and I checked out, uh, Greedy Guns, which is on Kickstarter right now. It's kind of a Metroid meets Metal Slug. That's not bad. It's been around for a while in demos, um, but they're mm-hmm. kickstarting it now. It just popped back up on Twitch, so. Uh, awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing those. Yeah. I, I well, like you. watching your videos. Oh, and people quite kind. watching, listening should check them out. That's Conrad Zimmerman on YouTube. And you can listen to more of our podcasting, uh, wares. We, oh, fucking no, I've got to do a video after this as well. I'm, I, 
can barely hold it together. Um, you can see more of our podcasting stuff at fistshark.com. We do an improvised comedy um, show called Fist Shark Marketing, where we play ruthless marketing executives along with our good friend Paul Sincere. And that'll do it for us. So two weeks from now, we will be back with another movie boy extravaganza where we'll be talking about Resident Evil Apocalypse. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.